We just had a question here on Twitch. Will uh, from our guy uh, Brad said, "Will I be seeing you guys at the Red Zone on Saturday?" Well, yes, indeed, you will. We will be at the Red Zone, the Zone Blitz pregame bash, twelve thirty to two thirty, getting you dialed in for you know the. Uh, the next week, as we're going to see, it's the final regular season for the Badgers, and as the Minnesota Golden Golfers come to town. So yeah, we'll be there, uh, twelve thirty to two thirty. Uh, Rowdy, you're sticking around to party. I have another Thanksgiving on Saturday. I was brought to my attention yesterday and talking about partying. Got to go to Spring Green. So yes, you will be seeing us there. And in fact, if you play your cards right. Maybe Nick Herbig will come and hang out with us for the first half uh, of the game, Rowdy, as <laughs> the stupidest penalty in all of sports, the targeting penalty, especially when it's so obvious that it's not targeting. The Badgers appealed Nick Herbig's uh, suspension because he's got to be uh, you know down for a half. Rowdy, they denied the appeal. You go back and watch what happened against the Nebraska Cornhuskers. How in the world is can you say that it's targeting? He tried to pull back and and pull away from hitting the Nebraska player. How in the world is it targeting? It's so this is the dumbest call in all sports. Yeah, you know my feeling on targeting. You know my feeling on replay. It's all crap. So uh, you get crap results. It's so stupid. So they went and you know they tried to appeal it, but guess what, my friends? Again, it's been upheld. So there you go. Nick Herbig not going to be playing in the first half, which is a, I mean, that's a big blow for the Badgers on the defensive side of the ball. So what do we, what's our vibe, Rowdy's Axe Week is uh, upon us right now. What are we thinking about the Minnesota Golden Gophers coming? What's the spread? I believe it's around three. Wisconsin is favored. Uh, Wisconsin favored by three. All right. What are we, so what are we thinking? What's the vibe here on Wisconsin taking on the Golden Gophers? Um, obviously, we're already bowl eligible. Yeah, both teams are bowl eligible. Really, both teams aren't playing for a ton here. Minnesota and and Wisconsin. I know Wisconsin's eliminated. I think Minnesota is eliminated from contention in the Big Ten West as well. So basically, they're just playing for bowl seeding mm-hmm. within the Big Ten. And then the axe. Yeah, the, I mean, the axe is huge. That's a big rivalry game for the two. DJ and- Fleck is two and two in axe games. I think I'm going with Minnesota plus three. That didn't make the razor's edge, but uh, I think that's what I would do. Oh, Minnesota plus three for the rowdy man. Um, yeah, I mean, PJ Fleck has got the program a little better. Have you watched the Badgers offense? How many points do you think they're going to score? Minnesota's defense is actually pretty solid. Yeah, I mean, how many is Wisconsin going to score and how many is, you know, the Gophers going to score because Wisconsin's got a legit defense. I don't expect many points. What's the is the over under? It was thirty four and a half last time I looked. Wow, thirty four and a half. Um, I don't know. Maybe there'll be when. Uh, let's see here. Because Jim Leonard, no, he no, he would be named. All right, so it's a seven day window for that job to be It'd posted. Be Sunday, and they posted it Saturday night. So. Yeah, so Jim Leonard won't be officially named till Sunday. Uh, here is Jim Leonard. Let's hear Jim Leonard on the job. This is Jim Leonard on the posting of the job and you know, his thoughts on it. Ooh, it's going to have some conversations five. this week, and, and hopefully it leads um, in the direction I want it to go. I got about 20 bucks if I can get some of your sources in here. It's a lot of information I'm hearing, but I haven't been told. So, um, yeah, I'm excited for the opportunity to really lay out my entire vision for the athletic department. So Jimmy Leonard saying he has not talked to anyone about it yet, but would love uh, to throw $20 down to get some of the sources that some of the media members have, all saying that this is Jim Leonard's job. 
Rowdy, I think it's very safe to say that this is indeed Jim Leonard's job. Uh, Just get it over with. Yeah, it, get it done. Now, Ben was Ben sent us some video of some football inside scoop guys talking about if Leonard and the Badgers would have beat Iowa, that they would have given him the job or posted it right then and there to get it over with. Um, uh, Jim Leonard was getting this job no matter what, right? I mean, Jim Leonard, the offense of the Badgers is not Jim, Jim Leonard's fault, correct? I mean, he... Jim Leonard was the defensive coordinator for this team. It was Paul Christ and his guys that were in there. How people can be mad at Jim Leonard for the offensive side of the ball uh, is beyond me because he's not, it's not his guys. I I don't know what else to tell you about that, but with uh, this rivalry game, uh, Jim Leonard says, you throw out the records. Yeah. I mean, you just know the the records don't matter. You you go in there, it's going to be a physical game. Uh, You have to earn it. You got to take it away. And uh, that's the fun part about rivalries to me is is it doesn't matter. Banged up, healthy, struggling, playing well, you know, you go out there and win it. Go go earn a win. So, Rowdy, last year, um, Badgers weren't really earning too much, especially a win. How would you describe the game last year against the Gophers? Pathetic? Sad? Pathetic, disgusting, sad. Uh, um, awful? Terrible? Disappointing. I wanted to vomit. Rowdy wanted to rip the TV out of the wall and throw it on the ground. I think you taught some people uh, that were in your vicinity new words they'd never heard before. Um, new swear words. Yeah, wanting physical harm. <laughs> Not to yourself, but to others, right? Yeah. I like That was an inexcusable loss last year. Especially when they were going to punt down 10. Um, Jim Leonard, though, says the Gophers last year were more physical than them, and it can't happen again. Yeah, we, we already addressed it this morning. Um, I think they out-physicaled us last year, and, and they finished, right? And we had the lead going at halftime, and they finished. They made plays in the second half to swing the game and create momentum and, and put us on our heels, and we couldn't overcome it. Well, I don't even think you could overcome your own coaching staff. When you look at the game when Paul Chris was you know leading the charge, Rowdy, that's... <laughs> And we just started to use words to describe it. Terrible, awful, disappointing, sad, pathetic, yada, yada, yada. Uh, Jim Leonard can't have it that way. Can't be doing it again. So biggest thing about this is the rivalry, the axe, obviously. And Leonard says, I mean, the Minnesota rivalry means everything with the Badgers. Beauty of this program is we've had a lot of people who've been a big part of, of this rivalry. And it means a lot to, to a lot of people. So I'm excited to kind of teach the guys who don't know much about the history. It means It means everything. Biggest threat for Minnesota, is it Ibrahim? It has to be. I mean, if you watch the game against Iowa, yeah, their young quarterback looked all right, but he he looked young. Like, he looked inexperienced, and he was going to give this Wisconsin Badger teams opportunities to turn the football over. Mo Ibrahim is the guy that carries the football almost every single time. Yeah. Like, shut down Mo Ibrahim, and this offense is not very good for Minnesota. Yeah, Jimmy Leonard talks about Ibrahim said uh, the running back for theirs, uh, the golfers, sets the tone. He sets the tone. You can tell. You know, their offensive line feeds off of it. Uh, the other running backs, they, they mimic his running style as well. They're, they're very consistent in what they ask their backs to do, and, and I think it, it, it starts with him. Obviously, above him, right, the coaching style, what they ask their players to do, but anytime your best player is that consistent and productive, it's My- impressive. And then Rowdy, he also says he can't wait for Ibrahim to leave. Now, didn't we all think that, I mean, despite some injuries for Ibrahim, that this guy was like, could play at the next level? Like, 
Were you surprised that he came? Oh, I know well, he's injured last he's year. He's injured the last couple of years. If he was healthy, he's probably out of here already. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like Mo Ibrahim, if you watch that game against Iowa, he ran hard. Like he ran through Iowa defenders. Minnesota put up like nearly 400 yards of total offense. They just figured out every way under the sun to turn the football over and not score. Once they got inside the 30, they had a missed short field goal. Mo Ibrahim fumbled the football. Iowa had an interception. Like Iowa's offense did not do a whole lot against this Minnesota defense. And I was, or in Minnesota's offense, moved the football against Iowa's vaunted defense, just couldn't figure out ways to score. Plus, Mo Ibrahim had that huge fumble late in that game, which I bet he's kicking himself about that because he had a hell of a game. Probably a little bit of motivation there. You look at the Wisconsin Badgers who came back, got a lucky win. I feel like it's a lot different feeling in that in that locker room if they didn't win that game against Nebraska where they would be even more totally. salty yeah. coming into this Minnesota game. But you got to win. It was 15 to 14. You had your little comeback. You know, you get to come back home for senior day. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like it could be easy. Maybe, maybe Wisconsin's not as motivated as Minnesota after, especially Mo Ibrahim coughing it up the way he did. Yeah. And he's their best player. Yeah. Uh, Leonard says you can't wait for Mo Ibrahim to leave I, he's been a top tier running back in college football for a long time i'm ready for him to leave and, and move on um <laughs> it's just impressive the the physicality the consistency that he runs with the vision he's going to make you earn it every time you have to tackle him and he's done it for a long time in, in that program who's, who's that's why i feel like he's going to be motivated to run on this wisconsin defense especially because dude he was lighting up those Iowa linebackers, like every time there was a collision between Ibrahim and a linebacker from Iowa, uh-huh. the linebacker from Iowa was the one going backwards. And especially being one of the guys that, like I said, turned it over. I feel like he's going to have max motivation here. So who's going to be playing quarterback? You think for uh, the Gophers against the Badgers, Morgan, is he still banged up? Yeah, he hasn't. He really didn't play at all last week. No, well, it, I mean, who's who's back there? Uh, actually, their young quarterback. The hell's that guy's name? It's, it's a long name. It starts, yeah, let uh, me pull it up. But he he actually looked pretty good. Is he it? looked pretty good. Like he can run it a little bit. Uh, Cal- I know he got digged Kaliak, up a little bit. How the hell do you say his last name? Kaliak Manis or something like that. Um, Jim Leonard says they're going to prepare for both quarterbacks, though. Quarterbacks always matter. They always matter. So, um, yeah, it, it makes it a little bit more difficult. If the quarterbacks are similar in how they're used, it makes it easier. But obviously, in this case, there's a huge discrepancy in experience and, and trust in the offense. So um, we have to prepare a little bit differently for, for both styles of quarterback, or both quarterbacks that could be on the field. Yeah, Kaleigh Manis. Yeah, there you go. And it was a... Little tongue twister right there, but yeah, he no, he he's a young he's a young guy, but he actually looked pretty decent in that Iowa game. Even that pick that he threw uh, late inside the Iowa thirty, it was deflected off of his his wide receiver's hands. Yeah, so it's not like he just you know like a young maybe a young Wisconsin esque quarterback where they drop back to pass and throw it right at the defender. It was actually off of his own receiver's hand, so it was an unfortunate turnover. But, yeah, he actually looked pretty decent. They ran a little bit of, like, shotgun spread where he would either – they would run a choice where Ibrahim would take or he would – he actually ran the football well, looked competent throwing the football. It's it's not like I'm saying he's the best quarterback in the Big Ten or he's in the top couple, but he he looked competent. 
he looked like he could do enough to beat Wisconsin. Yeah. All right, so Axe Week is upon us, man. This big-time stuff. Wisconsin needs to battle to get the Axe back. I know this is huge for, for both teams. Um, we'll see what happens Saturday. But, again, come on down to the red zone, baby. We're going to be there 12-30, 2-30, the last one regular season for the Zone Blitz pregame bash Friday. Now, we won't have a morning show on Friday, but we will be at Pooley's from 4 to 6 for the pre pregame show. Happy hour, incredible. So maybe if you're out shopping around on Black Friday, uh, you need to get a little hankering. Happy hour is 3.30 to 6, and it is balling, dude. Uh, it's so cheap to drink there, so come to the Pooleys and come hang out with the boys. Be a good time. And, yeah, just go shopping. Come on, have some drinks. You going to go any Black Friday deals, Rowdy? You go out and about, or you stay away from the, the no, madhouse? No, 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 no. I stay away, too. I was like, nah, that's a no for me. The deals are better this week than they are, uh, or last week than they are this week. So it's like, you guys missed out already. What is it? Is it Cyber Monday? Cyber Monday on Monday, yeah. <laughs> We're a bunch of, you know, discounted junk uh, on the internets. Yeah, excited though for Thanksgiving. Um, pumped up about it. One of my favorite holidays for the food, obviously. I don't know. Is Arja here today? I have no idea. I think we're going to just, I mean, obviously we soldier on. Can you be jet lagged when you fly in the ta- uh, same time zone as RJ? I just, I don't have a good feeling about this game for Wisconsin. No, you took Gophers plus three. Not on the razor's edge though. Is it because of the offense? Well, obviously. But. The offense is awful. Uh, Minnesota better offense? Yeah. And that's just purely because they have a better offensive line and they can actually run the football and Mo Ibrahim has been more durable and how many do you think you can give the football to Braylon Allen 35 times? No, not at all. Mo Ibrahim literally rushes it like 30 plus times every game. Yeah, Braylon Allen's like bang bruised up and like brittle now. He's hurt everywhere. How many can you give to Ches Malusi and Isaac Garendo? Well, that's the other thing. Malusi being back does help the offense running the football-wise. Isaac Grendo has actually played pretty decent this year when he's gotten opportunities. But we've watched how poor this offense has been. And if the offense is continuously giving the other team, I don't know, depending on the game, 7, 14 extra points. He scored 15 effing points against Nebraska. How many completions will Graham Mertz have Saturday? What do you have against Nebraska? Eight? Nebraska's defense is awful. Minnesota actually has a quality defense. I gotta go. It's not Iowa, but it's a hell of a lot closer to Iowa defense than it is to that crappy Nebraska defense. God. I think it's gonna be a close, low scoring game. Graham Mertz was eight of eighteen rowdy against Nebraska's defense. Yeah, you couldn't even throw for 100 yards. 83 yards. Brody, Graham Mertz, uh, you, you don't have to name any names, but you got a text over uh, the commercial break here after we were talking to the Badgers last segment, and it was essentially what? Yeah, so <laughs> Bobby messages in and goes, just spit it out and say Minnesota's quarterbacks are better than Mertz. <laughs> Mertz against, how would you describe Nebraska's defense? Uh, for people that uh, were one, Nebraska, the Cornhuskers, their defense would be described as what? Um, I would say it's hit with an S in front of it. <laughs> so uh, you're getting around the and SEC. And they scored 15 points, and it came down to a, a last-second touchdown to win the game. Graham Mertz was 8 of 18 for 83 yards. In fact, they said they were going to bench him for Chase Wolf at halftime. 
This is a, a Nebraska team that gave up nearly 200 yards rushing every game. And we didn't see the Wisconsin Badgers effectively run the football until the second half. Yeah. 98 yards for Chesma Lucy on 21 carries, 92 yards for Braylon Allen on 18 carries, and 42 yards, nine carries for Isaac Garendo. Now, Braylon Allen was you know banged up, bruised, and battered. He was limping off the field at the end of that game. But yeah, Nebraska's defense is terrible. And Mertz was... Mertz will make how many good throws does Mertz have a game like two? Three? Well, that's the, that's the thing that makes him so frustrating. You'll see, like I would, I wouldn't go two or three. I go like four or five really good throws, yeah, but then there's like, four or five really bad throws, like, really bad, and like the really bad ones get picked off, uh-huh. and then that sets up the other team's offense for easy scoring opportunities when the defense has played their ass off. Yeah, and I mean to Bobby's point here. Just spit it out. Say the Minnesota quarterbacks are better than Mertz. I would totally take Kaliak Manis if I had to choose one quarterback right now. I would take him over Mertz. The it's because it's more of the unknown. You've, you've, yeah, like there's there's more of an unknown. He's a younger player with uh, more of the ceiling. Graham Mertz has been here for four years, and all we've ever talked about is ceiling. That Mertz. I mean, the ceiling is yeah. All right, we'll get more into like, it. Right? How 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 much longer? How much longer can you talk about someone's ceiling and how good they can be and development when you've been in the program now for your fourth year? <laughs> Remember, he's Graham a late Mertz, bloomer. Graham Mertz was a true freshman in 2019, yeah. the last season we had before COVID. He's a late bloomer, Rowdy. Come on. Well, at least Kelly Manis. I mean, he's a, he's a freshman. Let's hope in a rivalry game on Saturday that our guy Mertz can actually, you know, move the ball a little bit. Peter King's been floating around some uh, trade potential ideas for one Aaron Rodgers. First of all, Packers trading Aaron Rodgers? Could you see it happening, Rowdy? Could you see the inconceivable happening? Aaron Rodgers traded away? I think it all depends on what they feel they have in Jordan Love. But I also would say from this standpoint, don't you think you kind of missed the boat on this? Yeah, just a little you bit. Would, you wouldn't be selling high. You'd be selling low, right? Yeah. I know it's still Aaron Rodgers, but he's creeping up on 39, turns 39 here in the next month. Mm-hmm. He has a broken thumb, which, you know, that's going to heal. He only said it was broken allegedly to a make-a-wish kid. He has an injured thumb, but you know that's going to heal. But, yeah, he's getting closer and closer to the end of his career. We we've already seen him go back and forth last year about playing. And if you were going to trade him, you would think that your best value would be coming off of an MVP season and you would get a full year plus to look at Jordan love and to see what you have and and rack up some higher draft picks. I feel like you kind of missed the boat. You already kicked down a lot of the contracts. You kicked the can down on a lot of these contracts, which if you were planning on trading them, you probably wouldn't have made some of those signings. You, you want to sell high and not low. But how, how, by the way, before I give you the list of uh, these suitors here, how hilarious and awesome is Aaron Rodgers? Some of these big J's, the journalists that cover the team, don't realize that Rodgers is absolutely punking you. The thumb injury, uh, go back to when Aaron Rodgers said he had been immunized. Rowdy and I were sitting in our office watching it all unfold. We both look at each other, and I said to Rowdy, 
I guarantee you right now that Aaron Rodgers didn't get vaccinated, which good for him. It's his right to do whatever he wants to do with his body. Not like it does anything anyways. Rowdy, didn't we both look at each other and be like, I don't think he did it. Like he said, I've been immunized. And we know Rodgers is so careful with his words and will, uh, you know, so calculated to, to the media. Rodgers is totally now punking the media. After the media didn't have the uh, intelligence to ask a follow-up questions from Rodgers uh, after the I've been immunized statement, Ro- they then w- tried to drag Rodgers' name through the mud. They went on uh, that hub arkish, that MVP voter, telling him he was an a-hole because of it, yada, yada, yada. Well, it doesn't stop the transmission. doesn't stop the spread, I'll tell you that. But, Rowdy, what is Aaron Rodgers doing now to punk the big J's out there? It's hilarious. Yeah, because you have this Make-A-Wish kid come in. He, he gets to hang out with Aaron Rodgers. He t- he tells the kid that his thumb is broken. S- and, send the kid. And then the kid comes out and says, well, yeah, his thumb's broken. And he, and he quote-unquote, breaks the yeah. news. The kid's breaking the news. And then when the Big Jays ask him about his thumb again, he says, yeah, it's, it's injured. It's hurt. Yeah. And, and he won't give them the answer that they're looking for. And then it frustrates them even more. He's it's like, hilarious. Yeah. He's like, yeah, my, my thumb, it just hurts. It's injured. But then you have this this kid, and awesome for this kid. Got to hang out with the Rodgers and the Packers, have a really good time. And then Rodgers is helping him break the news on Twitter. Hilarious. And some of these big J's just can't, they just can't quite well, figure it you out. Can they even, can't grasp you can it. see it in their tweets and their voices. They're frustrated because he won't give them the yeah. answer. He's trolling you. What don't you understand about it? It's so funny. These big J's are just such blockheads. It's hilarious. Uh, Rowdy, for the suitors, though, for Aaron Rodgers, I'll just run down the list really quick here. Uh, for the 11, number 11, the Denver Broncos. Hey, that was the one where all the rumors the last couple years where the Denver Broncos might be making a trade for Aaron Rodgers. Hey, they went out and they got Nathaniel Hackett, who seems to be skating on thin ice right now with that organization. There are a lot of rumors halfway through the year that he might get fired. Mm-hmm. Some were saying maybe they even just brought him in. Because they were trying to get Aaron Rodgers to be more, you know, positive about coming and playing for Denver. It'd be someone he'd be familiar with. It'd be an offense that he'd be familiar with. Yep. Then they went out. I mean, they traded for Russell Wilson. Wilson. I, I, at this point, I don't think that's very likely, no. especially with all the capital they gave up to go get on the, Russell Wilson. That's why it's 11th on the list of 11. Up next, the Falcons. I mean, Marcus Mariota, uh, a short term, barely a short term starter, but I mean, the Atlanta Falcons. They're on the list. They have a ton of cap room, $57 million coming up here. That makes a lot more sense than Tampa, or sorry, than the Broncos, Mm -hmm. because the Broncos don't have as much capital to give up. And do you really want to trade for Russell Wilson, who's been playing as poorly (laughs) as he has been the last couple years? The Falcons actually have a solid running game, just like the Packers. You could argue that they have three running backs that are NFL, NFL serviceable. Yeah. They have a good offensive line, and they just drafted Drake London. Now, Kyle Pitts is a stud tight end. He just tore up his knee. But you have some pieces offensively. Their defense is still trash. Indeed it is. I mean, they did just sneak out a win over the Bears. Rodgers can continue to be their owner in Atlanta. Uh, Up next on the list, number nine, the Washington Commanders. Always open for veteran quarterback business. Yeah, and that defense on paper was supposed to be pretty good. They're finally starting to play to those expectations. They're getting Chase Young back. They have a few different uh, running backs in their stable. They're not great, but they're they're decent. Yeah. And they they've put around some pieces. You have Terry McLaurin at the wide receiver. They drafted Jahan Dotson. 
So, I mean, they have a few guys that are talented, and clearly Aaron Rodgers makes that team way better than, than Heineke. Uh, eighth on the list, Tom Brady is going to be a free agent after this year, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. See, I don't know why he would want to go to Tampa Bay because Tampa Bay is kind of in the same situation that Green Bay is. They did everything to put the best roster together for Tom Brady, but now they're they're kind of salary cap stricken with not having a ton of flexibility. Yeah, they have some good pieces and a good defense, but they don't have a ton of room or money to make more moves. Up next, Rowdy, the Bill Belichick-led New England Patriots. Belichick has always been very fond of Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers and Foxborough. Now that's kind of intriguing, right? Because you always hey, Matt have Jones you always have a really, really good defense, right? That's what we always talked about with Tom Brady in mm-hmm. in New England. They always have a solid defense, and I feel like you look at you look at that defense. You look how they like to run the football, and he would be at home, right, with not having a ton of weapons. Yep, and if back they, in the cold though. But you know that he appreciates and respects Bill Belichick. That would be the best coach he's ever played with. Totally. I could see that one. The New York Giants coming at number six. Uh, Daniel Jones. I don't think they picked up his option on, on, on Daniel Jones. This is a big year for Daniel Jones. He didn't have the answer. I don't know why you want to go to New York. They don't have any real receiving targets. I mean, Kadarius Tony was traded away. Wandell Robinson tore his ACL. He'd probably miss most of next year. Yes, yeah, Saquon Barthy's healthy this year, but he's not healthy every single year. The line's solid, but the defense is average. Sure. Up next on the list, a re- uh, being reunited with his uh, long-lost wide receiver, Devontae Adams, the Las Vegas Raiders? The Vegas Raiders are a mess. They suck. They're a mess. I don't know why you'd want to go out there other than playing with Devontae Adams again. Their defense is horrible. I mean, all the yeah. the supposed weapons have been on the IR, and I don't think that team's nearly as good as what a lot of people thought, and I don't think they're going to be good moving forward with, with Josh McDaniels. Yeah, Josh McDaniels is terrible, and they can't fire him because they can't pay him out because they're cash uh, poor. Uh, number four, the team that just beat him, the Tennessee Titans. Aaron Rodgers going to Nashville? I could see it. I mean, he respects Mike Vrabel. We had Mike Clemens talking about how they chat in the offseason. You have Derrick Henry. You have a, a solid offensive line. You have a really good defense when healthy. And let's not forget, they have Traylon Burks. Mm-hmm. It's a young receiver. I, I could see it, but they would have to also go and pursue some uh, weapons in the receiving position. All right, your top three. Number three belongs to the Seattle Seahawks. Replace Geno Smith. Yeah, I don't think he's going to go out there. <laughs> Reason no. being is, I mean... That team, I feel like, has played well beyond expectations. They were a team that was supposed to win five, six games. They already have six wins. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, but the defense is pretty suspect. I know that they do have some draft capital due to the Russell Wilson trade, but I don't think overall that roster is good enough to make Aaron Rodgers be like, yeah, I'd want to play there. Number two, would he go in the route of Brett Favre and go to not the Minnesota Vikings? No, no, the New York Jets and link up with the younger brother of Matt LaFleur, Mike LaFleur, the offensive coordinator. Or how about just Robert Sala, the guy that punked Aaron Rodgers when he was the defensive coordinator with the San Francisco uh, 49ers. Also, they gave Aaron Rodgers and that Green Bay offense fits because they do have a good defense. They have some pieces on offense. I I could maybe see that one. And finally, number one on the list, the boyhood the boyhood dream of Aaron Rodgers come true. He goes out west, links up with the San Francisco 49ers. 
He might have to fight Tom Brady for that one. <laughs> the right to quarterback the Niners. But, I mean, who wouldn't want to go play for San Francisco? They're Look ballers. at the team. Look at the team they have. They're getting so much better. Jimmy G's on the last year of his deal. Trey Lance, it doesn't look like is going to pan out to be anything. He was very inconsistent year one when he got to play. This year he didn't look very good, and the team's been better with Jimmy Garoppolo. I feel like he might be fighting Tom Brady for that one. Both California guys, both uh, both looking to go to a team that uh, on paper is really good. That defense is really, really good. Yeah. You traded for Christian McCaffrey. Now at the skilled positions, you have Kittle, McCaffrey, Ayuk, and let's not forget Debo Samuel. Mm-hmm. So there you go. There's the list of 11 potential trade destinations. One. Staying with the Packers? Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, the Colts are on Another there. team that... Or should be on there, I mean. Really did not play well this year for the expectations. They were supposed to win the AFC South. They're not going to do that this year. And it does have a decent offensive line, but they've been banged up this year. They do have a few targets like Michael Pittman Jr. and Jonathan Taylor. The defense is solid when healthy. I think that one's one that missed the list. But yeah, I could see probably a handful that makes sense for Aaron Rodgers. But... The Green Bay Packers have his contract, and they get to decide where he's actually traded to if they decide to trade him. All right, there you go. There is the little list of potential trades for the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. Will it happen? I don't know. I can see Rodgers you know, remaining a Green Bay Packer because that contract pretty big. I'm going to go with the teams that if I was Aaron Rodgers that I wouldn't mind being traded to, New England, New York Jets, the Washington Commanders, Indianapolis Colts and the San Francisco 49ers. That would probably be my top five. The roadie top five. But I wanted to talk about the rule five protection. Real quick, let's wrap it up. Uh, Brent Suter was traded or let go, but not re-signed. He's now a Colorado Rocky. He's released. Released. Brent Suter is no mas with the Brewers. He can write children's books and use his reusable water bottle in Colorado. I don't know how uh, Brent Suter is going to fare in that stadium. Balls that get hit pretty far there. Oh, uh, and Wong is uh, what? His option was picked up. Anything else I'm missing? They were talking with the Mariners shopping Wong. Okay, and yeah, that's that. basically all the Milwaukee Brewers news. And your Rule Five? Yeah. So the Rule Five protection now that once you draft them and they're in the minor leagues, once they have so much service time, they become Rule Five eligible. Where if you do not have them on your 40 man roster they can go into the rule five draft and any team, you know, based on your waiver wire gets to potentially select them. Mm -hmm. If they're selected, that team has to put them on their 40 man roster and carry them on their major league roster. If you remember correctly, the last real big rule five draft that made a a ton of noise for the Milwaukee Brewers was Wei Chong Wang (laughs) in 2014. And he wasn't ready, but most of the time the Rule 5 draft guys are like those borderline guys that are are close to the major leagues. Mm -hmm. So the Milwaukee Brewers, they ended up protecting four players from their minor league system, which means they have to be on the 40-man roster and and, and now most likely will have good shots at making the big leagues. Those four players were Bryce Terang, Abner Uribe, Cam Robinson, and John Singleton. Now, a lot of them, they make a lot of sense. Like Bryce Terang is one of your top five prospects. He was a guy that was drafted out of high school at age 17. He's been playing in the minor league system, was in AAA this year and completely killed it in AAA. He's a guy that's 
that's basically fighting tooth and nail to make it onto this major league roster. Last year, he was blocked behind Wong, Adamas, and Arias. He's a guy that can play second, short, third base, and he's played some center field in the minor leagues. Came up as a shortstop by trade, but I'm thinking when you have Adamas, he's most likely best suited for second or third base with this uh, Milwaukee Brewers team. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. He was a guy that was going to be on your 40-man regardless. So Bryce Terang, that makes sense. Abner Uribe, this is a guy that he throws freaking hard. This guy throws triple digits. His average fastball was 99 miles an hour. Yeah. He has a, a big time, they call it a slider or a cutter. He, he kind of throws it two different ways. If he if he throws it with uh, less velocity, it's more of a slider. When he throws it harder, it's a cutter. His one big issue is that he does lack some control. This was a guy that actually the Brewers thought they might be bringing him up for September call-ups to come pitch out of the bullpen. Yeah, But he en- ended up having his season ending with an injury. So he'll be back. That makes a whole lot of sense. This is a guy that when he's healthy, you'll probably see him in the bullpen. He has the ceiling to be a seven, eighth, ninth inning type reliever, a good shutdown reliever. So that makes sense. Cam Robinson is another guy. He's 23 years old. He finished his season in triple a. He's another guy that throws mid nineties, has a big time curveball, and also throws that, that slider slash cutter where he can throw it harder. It's the cutter. He throws a little, lighter it's the slider he's got good stuff this guy actually moved up three different levels last year he was in high a ball played in high a double a and triple a this is another guy kind of like your that he's going to find himself into that bullpen he his ceiling is another seventh eighth ninth inning type reliever so that's another solid move but the interesting move for me for the guy that they protected was john singleton now john singleton's like 30 and he's in AAA. They signed him, I oh, believe it was last year. Triple-A-er. But this is this is the interesting part with John Singleton. He was a draft pick by the Phillies, and he first surfaced in big leagues in 2014 with the Houston Astros. And now 14 and 15 with the Astros, if you remember correctly, that was when the Astros were playing a bunch of quadruple-A players and a bunch of young, promising prospects because that was when they were tanking. They were cutting payroll and tanking, and that was when they started to build the Jose Altuve, Carlos Correa, Alex Bregman, all that core that they won a World Series with, and then the majority of that core ended up just winning the World Series again. So they were tanking, but they had a lot of these high prospects up. John Singleton was one of those big-time prospects. He's a power hitter, plays first base DH. He's 6'2", 230. He's known for clubbing the baseball. What's interesting is... He plays first base in DH, right? They have Rowdy Telez, that's a first baseman. They have Keston Hira at first base. And Keston Hira, you would imagine, would get a lot of run at DH due to Andrew McCutcheon yeah. not being re-signed. Mm-hmm. A lot of people saying that they thought this would be the end of Keston Hira because John Singleton is a lefty, right? You yes. think he probably struggles against lefties? I think when you dig into the numbers, Rowdy Telez might be a guy that gets traded Going forward, they have controllable years on Rowdy Telez. He's a guy that's shown he can hit 25, 30 home runs and be productive. But the reason why I think this might point to Rowdy Telez maybe being on the trading block, unless you want to kind of have 
three guys that can play first base and DH and you're not really going to use here in the outfield Mm -hmm. is because when you look at those splits, remember Rowdy Telez and Keston Hira both stunk against lefties. Keston Hira has the reverse splits where he just kills it against righties but struggle against lefties. Rowdy Telez being a left-hander struggled against lefties but did most of his work against righties. John Singleton is a lefty with reverse splits. John Singleton in his two years in the big leagues, and and they were sporadic. It's not like he played two full seasons. He actually hit the ball for more power and a higher average against lefties as a lefty. I think that means, especially for a guy that's controllable because he really hasn't been in the big leagues too much, doesn't have a ton of service time, this could mean because Rowdy Telez flashed the last year and a half, yeah. they could put him on the trading block and trade him, use Singleton and Hira as the first base DH, and play them both as having reverse splits, being Singleton's going to be the guy against lefties, Hira the guy against righties, but we'll see what happens. It gives them another yeah, option. More will be revealed, per usual. All the other guys that were Rule 5 eligible, they were guys that were middle to bottom of the top 30 prospect list for the Brewers, which means on the average farm system, they're probably way down at the bottom of the list or not even in the top 30, which was no surprising that they didn't protect them. So I think everything outside of the John Singleton move was pretty straightforward with the Milwaukee Brewers and their rule five protection this year moving forward. There you go. Nice little wrap up. Nice, nice rowdy rule five. More Buster only news, uh, Brewers news from Buster only. Uh, This was what from about half an hour ago. The Hunter Renfro deal is a salary dump. Yep. In organization, pitching starved, pitching thin, gives up three arms to the Brewers, who had been shopping Renfro aggressively. He could make $11 million in arbitration in 2023. The expectation among many rival teams is that Colton Wong yep. will be the next to go. So, so far, the Brewers' offseason moves, they released Brent Suter, who was then picked up on waivers by the Colorado Rockies. That was easily predictable. He was a guy in his last year of arbitration, and let's be honest, for a guy at his age, a left-hander that threw 89 tops once in a while, that was, there's no way the Milwaukee Brewers were going to pay Brent Suter $3.1 million to pitch for him this year because that was his estimated arbitration salary when they didn't even pick up Brad Boxberger's $3 million option. Mm-hmm. And Brad Boxberger's been a hell of a lot better for the Milwaukee Brewers the last couple seasons than Brent Suter. So that was an easy, predictable move. They pick up the Colton Wong $10 million option. That was like a 50-50 move. I could see them doing it. I could see them not doing it. But now, yeah, like the Buster Only tweet there, it looks like and sounds like they're shopping him to get probably somewhat of a deal like you got with Hunter Renfro, probably a couple players, a decent prospect, and then a low-level lottery ticket prospect for Colton Wong if they trade him. I totally think they do end up trading him for something. Then you have the Hunter Renfro trade, which we'll get into. And the Hunter Renfro trade, I mean, it makes sense. Again, it was another predictable move. It was a guy that was going to be making between 11 and $12 million on the last year of his arbitration. At the end of next season, he'd be 32 years old looking for an extension. We know the Brewers aren't going to pay that kind of money to Hunter Renfro not because he's not a good player, but because he's an aging player and we know they don't like to dish out those type of contracts. They already did it with Christian Yelich 
and it's totally handcuffing them right now. Yeah. So they're not going to do that for Hunter Renfro. It only made sense that they would trade him. And then on top of that, you look at their farm system. Jackson Cheerio is their number one. He's been balling. He's in double A. He's like 20 years old. You look at some of the other guys. Mitchell, we saw some good things from him. He came up. He was their first round draft pick in 2020. He's a guy that's going to be competing for one of the starting outfield positions. You have Sal Freelich, who was their number one draft pick in 2021. Absolutely balling. He went from uh, dub- through, flew through double A into triple A, was hitting like well over 300 in triple A for, for a long time. He was batting over 400. He's another guy that both Garrett Mitchell and Sal Freelich hit for average. Not much pop, but they will be 10 to 15 type home run guys, but they can also play solid defense and steal bases. They're fast. And then let's not forget our boy, Joey Weimer, who we actually interviewed on the show in 2020. He he dropped an S-bomb on here. Yeah, he was uh, their fifth round pick in 2020. Remember, there was only five rounds. He's a guy that actually his ceiling is a more athletic Hunter Renfro. He's 6'5", 230 pounds, has an absolute cannon for an arm and just mashes the ball. It's, It's almost the same profile as Hunter Renfro, but he's more athletic. He's a guy that hits like 250, he'll hit 30 bombs, but he also stole 20 bases in the minor league, so he's got some speed too. All four of those guys, and let's not forget Ruiz, who they traded for in that Josh Hader deal, is also in AAA. He plays average defense, average uh, hitting ability, also not going to be a huge home run guy, but he had over 60 stolen bases mm. in AAA this season between the two organizations, and he's got the most stolen bases in minor league baseball since like 2017. So they, they do have some young prospects when you're sitting there going, well, you got five prospects in your top 10 that are all chomping at the bit for the big leagues, and Hunter Renfro is going to be what the Brewers perceive as expensive and on the last year of his deal it was an easy, predictable move. I know we mentioned this earlier, but uh, one of our listeners, Corey and Marshall, and I were going back and forth about two weeks ago, and I've nailed like so far every move the Brewers have made. It's just easy when you look at their contracts, know how the Brewers operate, and you know where their farm <laughs> system's at. But the Hunter Renfro deal... Yeah, how the Brewers operate? Cheap, cheap, cheap. So they got three pitchers, Jansen Junk, Elvis Peguero, and Adam Simonaris. Yeah. So Jansen Junk was the only guy that I had known of off the top of my head. He was the number 16 prospect in the Angels organization, came up last season, pitched a little bit in the big leagues the last couple of years. He actually took a no-hitter deeper into like his fifth start in the big leagues. But what Jansen Junk is, being the 16th prospect for the Angels, he'll probably come into the Brewers' farm system and he'll be rated higher just based on the fact that the Brewers' top 10 prospects are decent. Everyone else in their farm system aren't very good. So he'll come in and be higher rated than he was in the Angels' system. But really, when you look at Jansen Junk, he's a guy that probably right now, if he came in and pitched on your big league roster, is probably like your sixth starter. We know the Brewers like to use six starters. They like to have six or seven that are big league serviceable so that uh, if injuries come up and just the fact that we know that they don't like to ride the big league arms for seven, eight innings every game, he'll be used this year. You know, his ceiling to me is probably like a fourth starter. He's probably like a council lets him go over five innings. He's probably like a a four man in your five man rotation at best. He's probably very similar to like an Adrian Hauser. Now Elvis puke on the mound. Elvis Peguero, he's a guy that's interesting 
because he in the minor leagues in AAA is electric fastball slider guy, throws hard. But then when you talk about the big leagues, he struggled with control. Mike Trout made comments about him tipping pitches, and it just hasn't. Yeah, he was not happy with him. He has not panned out in the big leagues, but it is a guy that could come in, be on your big league roster, and he's still young. He's only 25 years old. All these guys are young. It's not like any of them were trading for like a 30-year-old quadruple-A player. He'll probably be a nice low-leverage reliever, probably like a Gustave was this year for the Brewers, something around there. And then Adam Simonaris, he's the lottery ticket in this. The lottery ticket, he's a young guy, was only drafted in, in 2020, He's a guy that profiles to being either a starting pitcher or a solid middle reliever, and it's kind of like if he can get by in the big leagues with the lack of pitches that he has, he'll probably be a 3-4-5 starter, but he would translate well into the bullpen. So overall, I'm not upset. It's kind of predictable. It's kind of a meh trade for me. You knew that Hunter Renfro was going to be dealt. Mm -hmm. I was actually anticipating that they would get a higher, slightly higher-ranked prospect and then the low lottery ticket but the brewers decided to go with three arms and i guess get another bite at the apple so that uh, maybe more than just one guy could hit for him we'll see it is kind of what it is at this point all right there it is rowdy with the breakdown of the brewers trade uh benjamin uh, i have to ask you a question all right i have a very simple take on the brewers trade by the way well what can i ask my question first yeah 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 jansen junk the worst or best name for a pitcher? Um, in theory, it could be the best. The problem is the Angels have not developed a pitcher in like 25 years. Well, I I went to YouTube because I was like, um, of the next guy, Elvis Pagero. I was like trying to figure out how to say his name correctly because I go to YouTube, hear announcers say it. So I go to YouTube, I type in his name. The first thing that comes up, Mike Trout notices his pitcher tipping pitches. The next one, Mike Trout frustrated by Angels pitcher tipping pitches. The next one, Yankees figure out pitcher is tipping pitches, a yep. breakdown. And then the fourth one, Elvis Pagaro secures the win. Listen, it's like, <laughs> as I tweeted, you don't go to the University of Wisconsin in the NFL draft to find quarterbacks. We don't develop quarterbacks that are good in the NFL. The Angels do not develop pitchers ever. So um, who's the last pitcher you think they developed? That's a good question. I'm going to go with Jared Weaver. That's a good one, but that era, that's like 15 years ago. I know. <laughs> I know. That's a long time ago. Um, so uh, nice salary dump, Mr. Arnold. Hot start to the offseason. Um, good thing you can trade Wong well, now and not pay anybody. Well, now at this point, when you look at the Brewers roster and what's left, you're probably going to shop Wong. You're probably going to get somewhat of a similar deal as you just got with Renfro, probably a decent prospect and a lottery ticket type prospect. But then all other guys that could potentially be traded because it's the Milwaukee Brewers and we know that they don't want to spend money. Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, Rowdy yep. Telez now with John Get Singleton being, being protected on oh, Rule 5. John Singleton. Eric Lauer, he, he's now available too. I mean, pretty much a lot of the starters are uh, wide open and being available. You already know my philosophy. I would have locked up two guys and two guys only. Josh Hader, they already traded him and didn't want to pay him, and Corbin Burns. Those are the only guys that I thought would be worth locking up. All right. Uh, Probably we, going to be traded. Saturday, Axe Week. Ben, which quarterback strikes fear in uh, your heart the most? 
Tanner Morgan? What the hell is the other guy's name again? Ethan Kaliakmanis. Nailed it. That guy. He does. <laughs> he's uh, he's well, better. One, he's a redshirt freshman. Is he more elite than Tanner Morgan? Yes. That's why yes. he's playing over him. He is, he's going to be their quarterback for the future, and I know that I will hate him by the end of his career. At least he got his name done. Ethan? Ethan. Ethan. With an A. Yeah, A-T-H-A-N. Not Ethan. Kaliakmanis. Not Ethan. No. Ethan. It's, it's actually a very fun name to say. Can you say the last name again? Kaliakmanis. Kaliakmanis. And he's actually a pretty good player. Like, if you watch the Iowa game, he moved the football. The interception was unfortunate as it bounced off a couple hands. But he actually brings them. I'm not going to say he's a running quarterback, but he, he has some ability to run the football. Yeah, more than C.J. Stroud, no doubt. Um, he He's young, so they don't ask him to do much. There, there are only like five teams in the he country that throw the ball less thing. often than Minnesota does. Like they, they just run and run and run and run, and they do that little gimmicky RPO crap. Uh, so, Ethan, a lot of quick slants, a lot of easy completions, but he scares me because his legs can get you, and we know what quarterbacks with legs can do against the Leonard defense. And, Ben, we talked about this earlier, but this, this is a kid that was a four-star quarterback out of Illinois. I believe he was in the top 25 for quarterbacks in his, in his recruiting class. He's got a brother named Dino. So there's clearly some talent <laughs> here. And they've he been, does. They've been mixing him in more and more since Tanner Morgan kind of came up with an injury middle of the season. And I said it this morning, and I, I'm wondering your take on this. I would much rather take him right now than a Graham Mertz because Whoa. the ceiling the ceiling is still there. What's Gra- the weather? Well, let me get on it. Well, 46 Rowdy. degrees, partly sunny with like 10 mile an hour winds. All right, yeah, I'd rather have Graham Mertz. Here's like Graham Mertz sucks thing. against defenses. I, that are no, I'm, I'm taking I'm taking this kid for the rest of their careers. And the reason oh, being well, is yeah, because he's a redshirt freshman. Well, Graham Mertz could be here for two more years. Yeah, yeah, and and, and he might. This kid might actually leave school before Graham Mertz <laughs> if he played well enough. <laughs> but who would you rather have for this game on Saturday? I think with this Wisconsin offense, if they were going to run a little bit more RPOs, I'd still take this kid. Ah, uh, I just. Let's be honest. There's with no Graham ceiling Mertz, with Graham Mertz anymore. We talked about a ceiling, a ceiling, potential, potential. He's in his fourth year with the university. That ceiling is is pretty much the floor now. I'm not talking about his ceiling. He he has played, and this is not me just blindly defending him. He had a bad game on Saturday. I will also note he got no help from the wide receivers or the tight ends. How many good games has Graham Mertz had? Um, uh, more than bad. He has what? played. This has clearly been his... Don't make like, me bring up the memorable games last. again. He has one and a half. The mistake, the interception, he's made that throw 30 times this year. And um, uh, should he have thrown it? No. But if the wet, like in the weather, he stinks. We saw that at Iowa. Uh, we saw it against Maryland. That, that's saw it. pretty tough when you play in Wisconsin outside at Camp Randall or if you're playing in Minnesota... Well, my Outside whole point in cold is, weather half the year. My whole point is if the weather's okay on Saturday, I, I think Graham Mertz is a very good game because he has shown that throughout the season. I'm not seeing it. The Gophers' defense is solid. If they can't run the football, Rowdy's Graham Mertz, leading, Rowdy leans Minnesota plus three, three and a half. Oh, I love Minnesota plus three. 
What? You're shooting a very, very fine needle here and trying to thread this needle if you like Graham Mertz, but then you love Minnesota plus three. That, that That's a very fine needle that you're trying you, to thread. You just happen to like Alex... Kalik, what the hell is his last name? Ethan Kaliakmanis. Kaliakmanis, not Alex, sorry. Ethan Kaliakmanis. I just think whenever this Wisconsin team has played a defense with a pulse, they've struggled They've struggled to run the ball, most importantly. The question is, do they actually give the ball to Braylon Allen 20 times, which I wouldn't, or do they ride Malusi and Garendo, and do they have success? Those brothers, a receiver with the golfers, Dino Kaliakmanis. Would you rather be named Ethan or Dino? Ethan. Rowdy, would you rather be named Ethan or Dino? Straight out of the wire. <laughs> I think I'd go Dino. I think I'd go Dino, too, because then they'd call me D-Money. <laughs> D-Money at receiver. Hey, Dino. People would be like, is your sure name's not Ethan? No, it's Ethan. Oh, okay. I'm going to say that he probably has a higher ceiling than his brother named Dino that plays wide receiver. Yo, Dino. He's also got two sisters, Amarissa and, well, this could be Andrea or Andrea, so it could be a brother or sister. doesn't really matter. Dino. Ben, you're going to Ethan. Yes, I would take Ethan. Kalianakis. Kaliakmanis. <laughs> it's really not hard. I just can't believe for a guy that loves looking at graphics and numbers and percentages <laughs> that you're trying to thread such a fine needle saying you like Mertz and the Badgers, but you love Minnesota plus three for the game. No, I like I, I graphs, think Mertz graphs, will I'll play tell you. okay in the, in the good weather because he has done that throughout this season. Okay, what did the graphs I'll tell you yesterday that you posted? I don't think Wisconsin's line is good enough at, at this point against a good defense to consistently run the ball. So, and in, in the your difference. opinion, will Minnesota win 30 to 27? Oh, are we going to do this? Listen, I, I do not <laughs> this is pure inside joke stuff, the, by the way. The made up score predictions on are the graphics we? I retweet. Do you want to talk about how those graphics are helpful? Are I'm we fun. saying, are you saying, Ben, that Minnesota's going to win 30 to 27? No, but it would be hilarious if they did. <laughs> and, and boy, would Zach hate that. Yeah, during commercial break at this time yesterday, Zach Heilbert, our sports director, came in and just started yelling at Ben <laughs> over this graphic that he posted on his Twitter account. Yeah. <laughs> the most meaningless argument that we thought actually had meaning, but nope. It's also like the point of the graphic, and it's on my Twitter at Ben Z. Kenny. Good preview of the game. I would love to talk about what it actually means and things within it. The score prediction is just like these numbers are put into a model and the score prediction is is shot out. But we know in Big Ten West football, when Minnesota plays Wisconsin in games like this, Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota, Iowa, oftentimes, no matter what the projected numbers say, like, you know, the game's going under. Right? Yeah, I don't like, think that there's going to be a 30 to 27 score. That's 57 points. That's- I, I know. I agree. <laughs> then why'd you post it? Because there are things within the sorry, graphic that are inner, very helpful. I was channeling my inner Zach Heilprin there, sorry. Oh, okay. Continue. All right, so you're going with Ethan Galifianakis. <laughs> it's Ethan Tremblay. Sorry, Ethan Tremblay Kalakanakis. That's who Nelson's going with. I'd rather have Graham Mertz. If you put Graham Mertz on this Minnesota team, they're better. No doubt. Then having Ethan Galifianakis? Yeah. Stuffleupagus? Think about it. Graham Mertz has always been good when he has a good run game. Minnesota has probably the best run game in the conference next to Michigan. Yeah, but think about what you just said. Graham Mertz has always been good when he has a good run game. Then I ask you, can Wisconsin run the football in Minnesota? You say probably not. Uh Uh-huh. So then Graham Mertz will probably not be good. 
Yeah, but that's not him necessarily. <laughs> it's the system around him. I think Minnesota has a better. I think Grammar's just kind of sucks. Cali McManus, he, they oh, don't ask Kelly him to do Manus, anything. All he does is throw these gimmicky seven-yard slants. But you said he's got legs. I, and and run a little bit. Yeah, but if you put Graham Mertz in that offense, they're better. Yeah, but they here's the, the deal. Very well. Nebraska's defense stinks. Some of these defense that they played that stinks, they're still scoring 15 oh, points against I, like, them. Like the, the weather was terrible. No team moved the ball going into the wind all game. All I know is that for a guy that is supposed to be your highest recruited quarterback of all time, there's a lot of freaking excuses floating around for the whole four highest rated years. Thing. Like, well, he is. He hasn't lived up to it. One hundred percent. He is. But let's talk. Like, but he has played better this season than last. When get, will like, we see? Done with him. When will we see Pete Graham Mertz? They wanted to bench him at halftime. Twenty twenty four. Mertz when he's surrounded by an offensive line that can consistently block. They they wanted to bench him at halftime. When will we see Pete Graham Mertz? Twenty 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 one twenty twenty two twenty twenty three or twenty twenty four. Like I know you guys are done with him, but like let let's talk about getting an offensive line around him. How about that? Good I'm not work. against that. I'm just saying. I'm having Tanner Bordellini times, and Jack Nelson come back out, and you say it right to their faces. What, how they struggled against Iowa? How they need to get a better offensive line around them. Right, the offensive line hasn't been good this year. Undoubted. And I agree, and they haven't been great since 2020, but then I also see times where Graham Mertz was supposed to be the next chosen one. He's supposed to be able to whip the football all around the field. He was supposed to be and Neo. even in times when he has been protected, the throws are so inconsistent. All right. right. You guys are stuck on the recruiting ranking. Like, like that's I'm not stuck. I'm over it. He is not what he was. Who will have to a be. better stat line Saturday? Zach Galifianakis or Graham Mertz? Sorry, Alex Ethan Galifianakis. Ethan, we, what is his name? Ethan Kaliakmanis. Ethan Kalamanis or Graham Mertz? Graham Mertz. Rowdy? Ethan Snuffleupagus or Graham Mertz? Not Graham Mertz. So, Ethan Kalamanis. You guys are haters. I think Graham Mertz might have better statistics as in more yards passing, but he's not going to be the more productive quarterback. How about that? And we're not hating. Is there production I'll, stats, though? I'm going to do a rowdy quote. I'm not a hater. I'm just a realist. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for Graham Mertz to be Pete Graham Mertz, and I, my, I'm reason, on year four. The reason this team has stunk this year is not Graham Mertz. I agree with that, but I'm not seeing. So the, so I'm not seeing Graham here. Mertz being if you some put any star. great quarterback in this team. They're still not that good. What do you think this offense Joel would look would like? Got him to a what do you think this Joel offense Stave would look like? Three games. He's the all-time team. winningest. You can't four, deny four it. Games. Who's the all-time winningest? Joel Stave. He's a winner. Four games he's a winner. With this team. Who Who do you think if you took <laughs> off Graham Mertz <laughs> and put, we'll say C.J. Stroud in on this offense? You don't think this offense will be better? A little bit, yeah. All right, Rowdy, go. Attack Ben. Attack him. Attack him. The C.J. Stroud versus Graham Mertz comparison. Both were four to five star recruits. Sick him, Rowdy. Both top five for pro-style quarterbacks coming out of their respected recruiting class. Yes, one plays for Wisconsin. One plays for Ohio State. One is up for a Heisman and a first-round draft pick. One not up for the Heisman or a draft pick at all. One has a website we don't, no one buys what gear from. But... Ben says, what if you put Graham Mertz on Ohio State? I would agree with him. He would be better. He's got a ton of weapons. I would say this. If we put Graham Mertz on Ohio State, all his receivers would want to transfer. 
But the difference is CJ Stroud, when I see CJ Stroud miss receivers, it's like, oh, instead of being in front of the receiver, it's behind the receiver. It's still within a foot of the receiver. When I see Graham Mertz miss, I see the other team running the other way. Or I see it five <laughs> yards off the mark. Or it's thrown into the feet. Ben? He's nowhere near as consistent as CJ Stroud because he hasn't reached his potential, and we talk about his potential for four years. Ben, you, you're, talk, you talk about his potential. You retort? Make it short because we're almost uh, done. Uh, and no, this is a worthless argument. Hell, there, Ben, there is no worthless arguments on over the line. They're always very crucial to our IQ. Uh, aren't those supposed to be the one and two best quarterbacks in the Big Ten right now? What? Accord- according to some people? Graham Mertz is not the second best quarterback. Some people were making that argument. I'm not saying you, but people online. Oh, I, I, I was not. Talia's better than Mertz. Boys, I want to say I want to say one thing before out of here. Ben, look at me. Look at me. I'm thankful for you. Thank you. I'm thankful for you and whatever and all the things you do for the zone. <laughs> and the Bill Michaels show, Kenny and Heilprint, I'm thankful for you. Rowdy, thankful for you. Everything you do for all the line, the zone, uh, being a lifelong friend. You too, Ben. You guys have a great Thanksgiving. It's a three-way street. You too. I'll just say this, Ben. Oh, <laughs> Ebo is a liar, but a gentleman and a scholar. My my house smells of rich mahogany. I have many leather-bound books. And Ben, it's going to smell pecan pie, my favorite slice. By the way, there are 20 seconds left in the show. And not nearly enough hate towards the Eagles coming this week. Oh, I, F. That disappointed F me. the Eagles, uh, Invincible, and uh, Rocky's the best thing to ever come out of there. Joke. Uh, Vince Papalia. Vince Papalia. Rodgers is going to play great on Some would say Jeff Janis was the Vince Papalia <laughs> of the Packers. Have a good Thanksgiving, everyone. We'll see you on Monday. <laughs>